This is the Urban Political, the podcast on urban theory, research, and activism. Hello and welcome to the Urban Political to an episode on the concepts of community and commons. And I'm pleased to welcome three scholars discussing these very relevant notions: Louis Volant. An urban sociologist from Antwerp, Belgium, currently a postdoc at MIT in Boston, Talia Blockland, a professor in urban and regional sociology at the Humboldt University in Berlin, and Thais Leister, an assistant professor in the philosophy of art and culture at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands, and a postdoc at the Culture Commons Quest Office of the University of Antwerp. My name is Markus Kipp, and I'm pleased to host this session today, which is the first one of a new podcast series on key urban concepts. This session will start off with Louis and Thais laying out their conceptualization of community and the commons, followed by a discussion with Talia on the implications for urban research and action. So to get us going, Louis, why do you think the notion of community is still relevant today? Yeah, all right. Thanks, uh, Marcus, for the introduction. Uh, yeah, going right into it, why is community um, an important concept for urban research and politics? Well, I would say, or better, we would say, Thais and I, um, because of its contradictory nature. Um, well, on the one hand, and that's what I mean with contradictory, you might say that community has become a sort of sexy buzzword, you might say, in research, uh, in urban politics and activism. I would say there's this whole array of terms, inclusion, participation, community, that, uh, that activists and politicians are working around nowadays. That's on the one hand, but on the other hand, and we will talk about it more during the episode, this idea of community can also, or also has a dark history. It can be equated with static entities based on um, nation, ethnicity, religion, creed. So this is a contradiction in itself, community. It can, um, let's say, meander between inclusion and exclusion between uh, horizontality and hierarchy. So that's why it's super relevant, I would say, for research uh, and politics. To go to uh, the central claim also of this podcast, which would be like that community is a doing together and not an owning together. Um, some sort of conceptual fine tuning at this moment might be good. So we have commons, community, commoning. I thought it might be good to, yeah, to disentangle these terms a little bit from each other. Like what, what do they mean? How do they interact? Uh, what are their resonances for urban research? Um, so yeah, maybe you could start off by saying something about this, this triad, commons, community, commoning, how do they relate? How do they differ? What, are, what could be some thoughts on that? 
in the literature of the commons, you, you have this kind of uh, classic source of, of Eleanor Ostrom, who uh, talks about um, a certain, uh, what she calls common pool resources, so a kind of shared uh, wealth, and, and, and she, she mentions uh, some, some examples like fishing ponds or water wells or uh, 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 forests and so forth, in, in which the main rule is that you uh, can use these uh, sources um, as long as you also contribute to the re reproduction uh, of it. Uh, so this has, of course, been a, a hugely uh, influential uh, theory and a huge, hugely uh, influential take. And, and uh, Ostrom, in, in many ways, has put the commons back on, on the agenda, you might say. Uh, but there has also been, I guess, a, a kind of tendency to consider commons as uh, particular kinds of uh, things or, or indeed uh, resources, uh, in, in, in which case it's sometimes uh, obscured or neglected that commons also need to be continuously uh, uh, reproduced, recreated, managed. Um, and that is also why some other theorists uh, have argued that we should rather speak of commoning as a uh, verb instead of uh, commons as a, as a, as a kind of uh, a noun. Uh, so this is, for instance, uh, in, 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 the, um, in the book that uh, David Harvey uh, wrote on uh, rebel cities, uh, he uh, particularly applies this also to, to an urban context uh, in which uh, commoning is the kind of uh, reclaiming of, of spaces, uh, especially urban spaces, as commons, so he considers to be he, he considers commoning as as a, as a kind of force that moves uh, opposed to uh, privatization. So while privatization is indeed this process of enclosure and and as it were bracketing off commons for from from uh, from shared use, commoning is the kind of opposed movement in which uh, communities actually uh, again open up spaces. Um, so then we have uh, commons and we have uh, commoning, and there are actually several uh, theorists also that, that point out that, that uh, the commons actually consists of three parts or three ingredients, you might say, that you indeed in the first place have a, a common resource, uh, so the common pool resource that uh, Ostrom was talking about, then you have the activity of, of commoning, and last but not least, you also have a community, a community of people who are actually doing the work of, of the commoning, so to say. So perhaps to, to make it very simple and, and tangible, if you take the example of, uh, of, a, uh, of an uh, urban community garden, then you have the resource, which is the, the, the ground, the actual garden, the, the, the things that, uh, that grow on it. Uh, then you have the activity of commoning, which is uh, the gardening that, that needs to take place there to, uh, to, to keep the uh, garden going. And then finally, you have the community of people who are indeed actually doing the gardening, who uh, formulate certain rules of uh, uh, and, 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 uh, arrangements uh, by the tools uh, or, or what have you. Uh, so in, in um, uh, those are basic, that, that is basically the triad that, uh, that Louis was, uh, was mentioning 
of um, of the uh, of of commons uh, commoning and and community. Yeah. Can I ask you uh, something back? Is the claim here uh, ultimately that uh, commoning is a constitutive feature? of a community or a constitutive feature of doing community? Yeah, well, that, that's a, gr a great question. And, and I think actually, um, if we really take this triad seriously, then it means that uh, neither of these uh, ingredients, so to say, can really uh, exist without uh, the other. So uh, I, I guess in a minute, we will also go into other uh, concepts of community, but this triad in a way already hints to the idea that there is in the first place, no commons without community. So that this is a, a kind of phrase of uh, Silvia Federici, for instance, that uh, a commons always requires a community to look after it, but you could also turn this around that there is no community without commons and without commoning. So that indeed uh, the, the, the community, as you, as you just phrased it, is indeed constituted by the work of commoning. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I would say each of these elements of the triad of commons, commoning and community um, requires the other and can take different forms I would say um, an interesting example beyond the community garden here um, and also in urban context would be this idea of the community land trust, CLTs, um, which shows us something very interesting, I would say, which also touches upon the central claim that we'll be making, which is, again, community is a form of doing together because of a shared responsibility and mutual care towards each other and not an owning together. And so I think the community land trust is, is super interesting here. Um, community land trust, something that, as so many other things, flew over from the US to Europe. Uh, I think even Bernie Sanders played a, a huge role in the popularization of, of this idea, uh, meaning that a group of people um, Let's just say, to keep it simple, an urban community, large or small, um, joins hands around a certain urban resource, be it a piece of urban land or, uh, and the building standing uh, upon it, and brings it into common ownership. Yeah? So CLT, community uh, land trust. In order to, because of course the price of buildings is so much related to the price of land, in order to keep the price stable, in order to go against uh, uh, speculation and privatization, and also to put up some sort of collective governance system whereby people discuss and deliberate with each other what are we doing with this land, what are the governance rules of our our building. So really taking land out of of the market that this. It's a bit the same idea stays described about the community garden. On the one hand, it can be privatized, commoditized by the uh, commodified by the market. On the other hand, it can be, let's say, yeah, simply commoned or commonified to use a, a neologism by um, by the community. And so, I would say, in the community land trust, we see very clearly these three elements. There is the common resource, the land. There is the commoning, the people 
actively uh, getting this resource out of the market, the people actively uh, deliberating with each other, how are we going to sustain this land, what are the governance rules, how do we relate to each other, and thirdly, of course, the community. But this, I would say, also opens up a very important question, because where is there is the, the community is present of course if you're following my my uh, example if you can imagine something with it so the community is there and the resource and the commoning but yeah what kind of community is it because all too often we might say that a group of people doing this together might be a community based on the owning together like we are a community because we're owning this land or we're owning this building. And the direction that we want to push the episode in is to explore the difference with this other kind of community whereby we say our community is not just based on the fact that we own this land together, but also that we have uh, mutual responsibilities towards one another, that we care for one another, that we are humans all together humans with needs uh, and we're gonna take care of that as well because and that's and we'll be talking about the different pitfalls of communities and commoning later on but i think that this already is an issue when it comes to community it's not always ethical or, or yeah how do i how will i phrase it um the fact that people or doing or owning something together does not always mean that it's a real community. So let me ask you what you mean by owning when you refer to this in the context of, of commoning. Is this uh, a reference to a legal property title or is this to be understood in a more broader sense? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I would say, f first of all, that, um, well, when we're talking about the commons and commoning, we would immediately think um, of it as something that is opposed to owning and that is opposed to like the more classical legal understanding of property. We might look at this distinction between commodification and commonification like the commodity and the commons and the commodity is what is legally owned on the one hand whilst commoning and the commons is what is shared on the other hand so um that's the first thing for example um dardot and laval in common they say precisely that that the commons cannot be owned the commons cannot be property it can only be be shared so that's the first thing. But on top of that, I would like to add, let it be a, a provocation or a suggestion or whatever you want, that uh, when it comes to urban development and urban dynamics, it remains still interesting to look into legal forms of property and legal forms of owning. Um, and I read this in a, in a book by Dan Webb, who said, if you just see commoning as, as merely sharing, you immediately put yourself in a subordinate power relation. You may say, okay, we're going to share, but whether you want it or not, like uh, the city 
uh, and urban dynamics is still based on the legal understanding of property. So, therefore, we might also look into the legal understanding of property, even when it comes to commoning. Uh, and there are very potent forms of legally inscribed uh, collective properties, such as um, the community land trust. This is legal, this is property, but it's collective property. So again, just as a provocation, we might understand ownership in two ways, like as a collective sharing, but also in its legal form. Um, so perhaps I could do a little bit of um, zooming out uh, and, and uh, discuss a more uh, wider background, uh, I guess, of, uh, of the concept of, of community and how it has figured in, um, in philosophical debates, uh, political philosophy, social philosophy, phenomenology. Um, so on, on the one hand, I guess you have this kind of uh, liberal uh, tradition of, uh, of thought that is uh, uh, actually considering community to be something of the past uh, that is not really uh, that, uh, that pertinent or, or important anymore in, uh, in contemporary modern societies. So, of course, you, you have this uh, kind of familiar distinction that is made by, uh, for instance, uh, Ferdinand Tunius uh, between uh, Gemeinschaft and uh, Gesellschaft, uh, uh, community and, and society, uh, in which uh, community refers first and foremost to, to uh, familiar bonds, uh, uh, family ties, uh, very often associated with, with smaller villages, uh, but indeed also perhaps has this um, uh, more negative connotation of, of being closed off, being, being uh, homogeneous. Um, uh, and uh, on the other hand, you have the concept of Gesellschaft or, or society, which is indeed open uh, based on, on institutions rather than on, on family ties. Uh, and which more or less consists of, of, a, of a collection of, of uh, isolated individuals. And there you have already a kind of tension between those, those uh, kinds uh, of, of concepts that, of course, uh, the uh, notion of, of society as opposed to community has a kind of promise of, of uh, liberation and emancipation, but has the kind of uh, downside of uh, also being uh, perhaps alienating. And, and I referred already in, in the very beginning uh, to my interest in, in the work of uh, Walter Benjamin. And I think Benjamin uh, very much uh, has, has written about this kind of dual nature of the urban experience as on the one hand, uh, emancipatory and, and liberating because basically you could become anyone you you uh, you wanted. Uh, your background did not no longer matter anymore uh, when you entered the, uh, the the city because you became part of this this kind of anonymous crowd of uh, uh, of, of the city. Uh, but of course, uh, the, on the other hand, this is also a, uh, um, a, a kind of a, uh, alienating experience, uh, which, which can be very, um, uh, very, uh, very problematic. Um, so 
this is in, in a way, the, the, you might say that the liberal tradition casts away the, the notion of, of community and any kind of attempts to reestablish a community is very often rather associated with conservative traditions. If you think of uh, communitarianism, for instance, or even uh, if you move further to the right, uh, indeed the kind of community that, that Louis was already referring to, defined by uh, particular properties, uh, a, a certain uh, characteristics of, of indeed blood or skin color, ethnicity, culture, uh, etc. Now, what interests or, or what what has interested me uh, has been a, a few philosophers who have tried to get out of this kind of um, either or uh, dualism of uh, of community. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking here of figures like uh, Jean-Luc Nancy and also uh, Roberto Esposito. Uh, who were uh, th trying to think community anew, especially in, in the wake of the, um, the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, and try to think of, of concepts of community without uh, somehow falling victim to uh, any kind of, uh, let's say, authoritarian uh, seduction of, uh, of some sort. Um, and... Um, uh, and, and indeed to, to think of, of, of different ways to, to, think, uh, to think community. And, and especially here, um, Roberto Esposito uh, interests me. So I, I, I want to tell you a little bit uh, about how he thinks about community. And, and if, yeah. if this goes into um, uh, too, too, uh, details, uh, too much details or, 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 too, uh, or if it becomes boring, then, then don't hesitate to, uh, uh, to stop me short um, because, well, um, philosophers perhaps uh, tend to um, philosophize. <laughs> um, but what I find interesting in, in Esposito is, first of all, that, that he doesn't buy this, this liberal opposition of, of community and, and, and society, because he says that um, this kind of definition of community on the basis of, of uh, what he calls the proper, uh, so, so indeed family ties or, or a kind of common uh, communal property, um, uh, is, is actually not the right way to, uh, to approach a community. Uh, and he indeed radically opposes this and says the, the common is not the proper, but rather the improper. And, and what he means by this is that within this concept of community, there is already a, a kind of ambiguity that, that from the outset rules out any kind of emphasis on uh, uh, familiarity or, or sameness. Um, and the way that, that he does that and the way that he explains that is indeed by looking at this concept of the common. Um, and he goes all the way back to um, a Roman law and, 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 and the, the whole kind of etymology of, uh, of the concept of, of common and community. And he points out that, uh, uh, that community and, and, and common uh, are derived from the Latin uh, cum munus, in which uh, munus is uh, not so much a, a shared property, but a shared responsibility. He, I, I think he literally uh, uh, names it 
uh, again with reference to, to Roman law, a gift given but not received. So uh, the, the, the munus is the gift given but not uh, received. So it's rather, the munus is rather an indebtedness, so not something that one has, but rather uh, something that one owes. And this indeed brings him to define a community not as a shared uh, property, but rather as a shared lack or a void, as he uh, sometimes also uh, calls it. And uh, at a certain point in, in his book on, on community, he literally says, what we have in common is niente, uh, with a, a kind of Italian play on words, niente, means both uh, nothing, so what we have in common is nothing, but it also is no thing. It is, 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 so it's not a thing that, that we have in common. Um, now, th this may sound like a, a kind of play of words uh, and, and perhaps rather uh, abstract, but if you think of, of examples of this, uh, actually one, one is quite uh, familiar, uh, I guess, to most of, uh, most of us, namely... Um, the idea, the traditional idea of the Christian uh, community or, or communion, the, the idea that people uh, within um, the, 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 the Christian uh, uh, tradition are supposed to, uh, and very often it, this was of course not the case, but they are not supposed to be bound by uh, any kind of, of property or, or shared characteristic, but rather by what they lacked, namely what they lacked was Christ, Christ who was, who was sacrificed, and, and the community consists precisely in this shared lack. And this is also why, for instance, St. Paul uh, said that there are no Jews and Romans, etc., etc., um, and that we are all uh, brothers in Christ, as, as, as he called it, um, of course, with this kind of gender bias that, uh, uh, that is very much a part of, uh, of, of the Bible. Uh, now, back to Esposito, he basically says that throughout modern history and throughout uh, modern political history, there's been this kind of constant inclination to fill this void or uh, to, to uh, uh, replace the, the nothing of the Munus with something. And um, uh, this is what, what Esposito also calls immunization. So instead of the, the community, uh, you have the immunus, so the kind of uh, neglecting of the responsibility or trying to get away from the, sh the, the shared uh, responsibility. So this is what he calls immunization. And I think this, this, is, uh, this concept of immunization, of course, today uh, with, the, with the pandemic has got quite uh, a, a particular meaning if we think about uh, herd immunity or, or group uh, immunization. Uh, but of course, it has also been quite often used in, in political contexts to uh, refer to uh, border security or uh, the removal of, of uh, illegal immigrants as a form of immunization of our, our political body. And I think what, what, what Esposito thinks, uh, I think, shows very uh, convincingly and interestingly is that su uh, any such attempt of immunization always goes at the expense, expense of the community. Um, that uh, any kind of immunization always also in, in, 
involves the destruction of, uh, of community too. So I guess uh, if we translate this back to, to the commons, I think uh, based on, on the, these ideas of, of Esposito and others, I, I think you can um, see a very close connection between this particular notion of community that he tries to develop and the discussions on, on commons as, uh, as, as something that we do not own, but a kind of shared responsibility and, and a shared uh, uh, praxis. Uh, so again, the commons also defined not as something that is owned, but something that is shared and, and that we cannot uh, and should not indeed define as uh, property. Yeah, uh, but I think um, it might have been like a, an excursus to Esposito and a play of words, uh, metaphorically or etymologically. But I think here we reach really the crux of the episode and, and of the point that we're making here. Community not as the proper property owning together, but as a practice. But even there, we need some more nuance, which you have already brought to us via Esposito, like a communal practice because of mutual responsibilities towards one another, because a shared practice of doing together with each other of mutual care because of shared lack, you might say, the munus that's been taken away. And so despite Esposito's etymological abstract inclinations, I think this is extremely relevant, uh, this work, to think about community also in a contemporary um, urban context. If I may just coin a number of additional examples, um, I would say that many conservative non-emancipatory leaders today, I'm thinking about, um, yeah, the list is very long, Orban uh, in Hungary, uh, Le Pen in France, De Wever in Belgium, the, they all appeal, I would say, to community as the proper, yeah, as the owning together of this certain land, of this certain ethnicity, of this certain static identitarian culture, you might say. Was on the other hand, I would say, to, on the contrary to that, the, the uprisings about which we were talking at the beginning of the episode, uh, Gezi Park in Istanbul, Syntagma in Athens, uh, Occupy. This is precisely community because of a shared lack. This is community formation because of um, the shared, uh, because of people are collectively deprived of yeah, whatever it is, housing, um, uh, money, social services, sustainable urban spaces, and so forth. So I think these, uh, the European summer of 2012 and afterwards, despite its short-livedness, is maybe the best example of community as a practice because of mutual responsibility uh, towards one another. Something that also came to mind when you were talking, Thais, um, is that uh, Hart and Negri in their book Commonwealth, they point to three um, social realms. You might say three sorts of communities that at first sight might appear to us as some sort of 
really romanticized sustainable community but in their view they are really what they call corrupted commons they speak of the family the corporation and the nation state so three different social levels you might also say the micro level of the family the meso level of the corporation and the macro level uh, of the nation state what they say this is also like um a closing off of community we're sharing things of course a nation is of course based on sharing the corporation the factory is of course based on sharing but this is also uh, um, a closing off of community a very clear definition of who's in and who's out um and last example um when you were talking about immunization you might indeed of course say that a lot of um how will how shall we call it authoritarian interventions in the urban public realm uh or very often uh quote unquote in the name of the community for example um i was seeing these benches in the city and they have pins on them to to keep uh, homeless people and uh, people that sleep outside on these benches uh, during the night to keep these people away why one might say in the name of the community also uh, cctv surveillance and all kinds of privatizations and enclosures in the city is very often done in the name of the larger community or in the name of the collective safety so that i think is a really tangible um urban example of what what you called with esposito immunization might mean we're making ourselves immune to the threats of the community maybe um uh, i can sort of try and pick up on that point um and and see if maybe Luis, you want to say something about the the really the urban aspect of it because I think this is a great you know the Epicito perspective is a great perspective in in, in the sort of philosophical thinking about it and, and the, the connection to the commons is quite clear but I wonder what it means um, say on 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 the actual level of doing which I think part of the listeners of the podcast are doing right like concrete empirical stuff little projects in little cities and not necessarily um, um, we're not necessarily all great thinkers with great ideas, right? So, so um, I think partly the discussion about community has been taken on in urban studies as a under the banner of conviviality. So, the, the I think the Paul Gilroy perspective on conviviality is an attempt to con, to think about convivre in quite similar ways, in strikingly similar ways, I think. Then as the as the debate we're having now, which kind of indicates first, I think that it's a tremendous big field like, to talk about community. And second, that that the various ways in which empirical work in urban studies has developed has talked about community without necessarily referring to the philosophical understandings of, of community and not necessarily understanding that there is this long philosophical tradition and kind of, you know. I think both sociologists like me and geographers are quite good in inventing new things and then figuring out as philosophers who have already written about it and the other way around, philosophers inventing new things that sociologists and geographers have seen on a very concrete level. So maybe um, maybe that as a first point. And, and if I can, can sort of um, 
ask a question from from the from the side of the more empirical oriented um, part of the field, maybe is um, I'm wondering a little bit. I'm struggling in my head with this idea of um, the mutual responsibility and the collectively deprivation, and the idea that the shared responsibility, now the gift given but not received, that's that's wonderfully sad. But if you're giving the gift, someone is receiving it. So so um, I wonder how, if, if this means that community is always free of power, because if we're all giving gifts and we're not receiving, we're all kind of equal. And if you're all collectively deprived and all mutually responsible, then we're all wonderful and, and have this sort of very uh, romantic, after all, vision of community that is this inherently egalitarian. And, and I wasn't quite sure if I understood you right, Louise, when you made that connection to, to dictatorships like the one in Ungarn, in Hungary, because isn't isn't this also a way of telling a, a, a group of people that they have a mutual responsibility towards each other and that there is a boundary? Is it conceptually possible to differentiate between a group of people doing things for each other in a very exclusionary way, but they're still taking mutual responsibility and they're taking they're giving gifts and not receiving them. It's just that they keep other people out. But it's inherently not a non-community. It is not a, in, or maybe it is. And I haven't quite understood this part, the mutual responsibility because of a shared lack. I wonder if right-wing people think that they have a shared lack. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not saying that it's not a community. I would say just a different sort of community. And, well, still building further on Esposito, I would say that there, well, of course, people would say in all kinds of community, emancipatory, regressive, whatever you want, that there is, there's always a shared leg. There's always a goal in the future that you want to reach, be it urban emancipation, be it your nation being closed off. <laughs> so th there's a continuum of, of shared leg, you might say. But the, the, the real difference, I would say, between if, if we want to draw these differences, is that in, in the examples that I spoke about, um, of Hungary, Belgium, France, is that there still a form of immunization is going on, that these communities try to fill the void with the great leader or so, or with the instituted uh, society. Whilst on the other hand, this, this real uh, cum munus community that, that Thais and I are thinking about building further on Esposito and thinking about shared leg and from there on out, from there on out shared responsibility. Um, those would rather be, and, and I will problematize it in a minute, those would rather be like, for example, the uprisings that we saw at Syntagma in Athens, at Gezi Square in Istanbul, Occupy. But I would be the first to say we shouldn't romanticize this either. Because, um, well, you might say during the uprisings, Let's, let's, let's take Occupy uh, for a moment as an example. This, I would say, is like a school example of, of a community coming together and saying, 
we have a shared lack. There's something taken away from us. And therefore, we have a mutual responsibility towards one another and we're going to take care um, for each other. Mm -hmm. But what we see here is the problem of unsustainability, I would say. Um, Occupy, uh, and of course, there are still activist groups uh, working hard today. And who knows what will happen in the future. But Occupy and the other square occupations during the European summer, they died out quite quickly, precisely because of the lack of very clear demands. And that's what authoritarian regimes would do. They would say, these are our demands. We're going to do it in this and this way. This is our, uh, this is our leader. So going back to the squares and going back to Occupy, what we saw there is like really the, the community formation based on shared lag, but uh, unfortunately in a very quite short-lived way. You might say these communities sprung up on the squares, but uh, after these first um, effervescent moments of, of high energy and high drive, uh, they dispersed also quite fast. So I would dare to draw a difference between different kinds of communities, but I also wouldn't want to romanticize the one or the other. Now the, the, the sociologist in me then thinks, why is this a community and not an interest group or a social movement? So what is the additive value of stretching this, the concept of community and its sort of identity connection, right? Because that was the, you said the identity the identity identitarian culture now should not be the focus the focus should be the mutual responsibility so so where there is a set of studies of course that says that community and identification as a process are very closely connected so could you elaborate on 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 and maybe um Thais, you want to come in on this from a more philosophical perspective what the connection then is to identification and community in, in that particular setting, maybe, of, of, the, of the Occupy movement? How important is it that there is a sense of identification or social identity in the concept of community? Or is this moving away from it into the, no, the shared responsibility, the gift given but not received? Is that responsibility completely detached from any form of identification or social identity? Or are these things still connected? Um, well, I would say it's both. Well, my analysis of to stay with uh, with the examples of the square occupations and of Occupy and so forth, my analysis would be that there is among these, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to use the word social movement and community now interchangeably, but among these communities, there is a inherent drive for non-identification an inherent drive for, let's say, horizontal organization, for decentralization, really a, an intrinsic unwillingness to identify as a sort of homogeneous static whole. Uh, but on the other hand, you might also say that if a community is to gain uh, any uh, potency or any political traction in urban politics, um, yeah, then it, identification or some sort of identification uh, might be necessary. Before I finish, Thais, maybe you might want to say something about um, the argument, 
Hart and Negri make in assembly about still the need of leaders or the use of leaders in non-identificatory contexts. Um, so yeah, that's what I want to say. Yeah. Before we move, sorry. Before we move to Thais, um, when he has, um, um, come, uh, when he can come back to us, uh, 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 can you clarify this one more bit? Because when I pass an Occupy Movement group, they, they look like a group in Martin's terms, like group category. You know, Robert Martin has made in this what I find interesting differentiation between a group, a category, and a collective. Right, where, where, and, and they look like a group, like they look like people who both know each other, hang out with each other, and have a sense of identification with each other. Basically, it's pretty much similar. They look pretty much alike, right, in the way they dress, in the, what they eat, in what they drink, in how many vegetarians there are. I'm stereotyping this now on purpose to to get us in a provocation, right? But the so so is it is it is there no aspect of when you say it's an attempt to non-identify, you seem to have a quite clear understanding of what you mean by identification and non-identification. Maybe for, for us listening to you, it'd be good to know what that is. Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to come back to your uh, active provocation in a bit, but I would say let's just look at a slogan like the 99%. Um, this is like for me, this is the, the giving up of, of any of separate identities. I would say this is to speak with Hard and Negri, a coming together of different singularities, but a giving up of the idea of the static identitarian community. But what you're saying is also right. Um, if I may just coin another example, um, and this is, uh, this is from a chapter in a book that I'm publishing together with Thais uh, this spring. Uh, called The Rise of the Common City, uh, also co-edited together with Pascal Gile. And in it is a chapter about an example that I would say is very significant in the context of the discussion that we're unraveling here. And it's about uh, the Cambatlo uh, Cultural Center in uh, the La Bordeta uh, neighborhood in, in Barcelona. And so this is a, an old textile factory claimed um, claimed by different community groups um, as a form of opposition against the urban government. They transformed it, as we see in so many other places throughout Europe, uh, into a sort of cultural center with uh, all kinds of community use, uh, spaces for community use, uh, governed by assemblies and direct democracy and so forth. So you, you know the, the broader picture. Um, but it, this this article tells us uh, and shows very clearly how, um, despite its its community orientation of this project, some people might still feel uh, excluded from it. So there's this example of someone who went into the cultural center. They also have a library, and he wanted to get a book there. And he felt really that he says, "When I go in there." people immediately look at me because, and this is exactly what you said, because I am dressed differently. I was wearing a suit, a suit and I wasn't feeling welcome in this uh, cultural center slash squad. Um, so you might say that despite the non-identitarian decentralized orientation of 
community-based organizations nowadays, whether it's this cultural center or whether it's Occupy or the square occupations, there's always this uh, inherent tendency towards enclosure, you might say, in community formation. And with that, I know I haven't really answered your question of is Occupy a group or is it the movement or a community or... I haven't put any specific concept on there, but I don't think in this discussion this is really necessary now. No, I think that was that that has clarified for me a lot that relationship between identity, identification, identity, and and um, and that what happens on the ground and what the conceptual ideas behind it um, is not necessarily uh, the same, right? That there's mm -hmm. that, and also that it's a challenge to. Mm -hmm. The 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 uh, how you call it the the wish for the I like this sentence very much the wish for the gift given but not received that the the utopia of trying to put that to practice then ends up with people saying oh I'm very suited I don't feel really feeling okay here which which shows the tremendous challenge I think to do that those things in, in concrete urban life. Thais, you, you were out for a little bit, but I think Louis wanted to push a question towards you. Maybe Louis, you can repeat that question and, and Thais can pick it up there. Um, yeah, I wasn't really asking a question. I just wanted to pass the ball uh, uh, to Thais. But yeah, where we, where we left is, yeah, this uh, inherent tendency towards enclosure in every social realm. Uh, mm -hmm. Just to finish off quickly, commons, commoning, community uh, has this built-in idea of openness, but we might say in whatever social realm will be, whether it's the market, of course, there, but also in the public sphere and in the sphere of the commons, there's always going to be some sort of enclosure or exclusion. As a provocation, I would say that. So, Thais, maybe you can shed some thoughts on that as well. Perhaps one thing that that came just just came to my mind uh, when when Talia was was talking about this distinction between a social movement and an um, and a community and an interest group. Uh, it, uh, I was reminded of yet another triad uh, by sociologist uh, Eric Olin Wright. Uh, he, who wrote this beautiful, uh, concise book, uh, uh, which is, I think, titled um, How to Be an Anti-Capitalist in the 21st Century. And at a certain point, he, he makes this nice uh, distinction that he says, well, any kind of group or, or movement can be um, centered around either a certain identity or a certain value or certain interests, uh, or, or actually he, he does not see these as, as uh, uh, excluded, but rather points out that each movement uh, rather requires, to a certain extent, all these three. So both identities, values, and, uh, and interests, although, of course, in, in different social situations, um, uh, the, the, the emphasis can be more on the one or uh, more on the uh, on the other, and and of course this this does not 
answer your your question or or uh, or solve the 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 problem that uh, that you were pointing at but but i just wanted to bring this in also as a kind of uh, a potential analytical tool that that you can uh, actually use to to study uh, social movements or communities or or interest groups to to see whether there is indeed an emphasis either on on a kind of shared identity or shared shared values or or shared uh, interests. Yeah, so that that was one thing that that I wanted to mention, and and I guess the other thing. Um, let me think. Um, uh, what were you discussing, uh, Louis, ab about this kind of inherent tension of uh, of, of the community that, that always tends to close itself off, um, even if it if it starts from from such a situation of uh, 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 of openness? I, I yeah. think this is indeed something that that you very uh, well already explained. And, and I think in in uh, in our book we also talk about several um, uh, situations in which commons can can be uh, corrupted. And, and one thing that that came to my mind here also was uh, was again from a drawing from uh, Silvia Federici uh, that she very much criticizes the uh, labeling of uh, so-called global commons. So the uh, I think it was the United Nations which has uh, uh, labeled uh, certain uh, uh, certain natural heritages such as the Amazon rainforest or or uh, 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 other uh, other um, uh, parts of nature as so-called global commons, um, and and uh, this this of course is is I uh, out of very much uh, idealistic uh, purposes you, you might say but but she says that in practice very often th this does not at all uh, play out the way that this is intended and rather is used as a kind of reason to uh, move out certain indigenous communities from from their uh, lands and to uh, open them up for uh, tourism or even for uh, for for for, um, uh, for companies to uh, um, uh, to destroy such such uh, natural uh, resources. So that that is also why, and, and I quoted this also already in the beginning: "No commons without community." Why she says that if uh, if this label of global commons is not at the same time. Uh, as it were, attached to a notion of who is supposed to be responsible or who is supposed to manage the, these commons, then it's basically an, an empty label. So it, it goes in, in that regard a, a bit uh, uh, in, in two directions, that if you have uh, uh, commons without community, that is very much uh, problematic. But if you have the community without sharing or or this 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 notion of openness then it will also be uh, uh, corrupted in in a way can i can i ask you for one clarification on that because now i'm confused because i thought to understand that the idea of the kind of community where we talk about and the commons presumes that there's no ownership that it's against the idea of property and then when it comes to the Amazons, you said the indigenous and their land. So how I am to understand on the one hand that we're talking about community as removed from proprietary rights, 
and ownership. And at the same time, recognize the right of, in this, in your example of the indigenous and their land. Because it seems to me that the notion of their land is inherent, difficult to combine with a community that is open, that has openness. Yeah, well, I, I think that that's a really got good good point. Uh, I, I, I guess um, their land, uh, as I as I put it, would in in that context not so much refer to uh, to, to to use the, uh, the the Marxian phrases, not so much to to um, uh, trade value, uh, but rather to use value. Uh, so they, they uh, um, it, it is their land to extent that uh, to to the extent that they um, uh, that, that that they uh, have have used it and have, have a kind of history of uh, using it and and managing it, which does not mean that it there that it's theirs to sell, for instance, uh, or 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 to um, to 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 um, put on the market. Uh, um, but uh, the, the, this is sometimes in, in the li literature also referred to as the uh, usufruct. Uh, am I saying this correctly, uh, uh, Louis? Uh, uh, the, uh, a kind of different kind of right based on uh, on use uh, rather than on uh, on actual ownership. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm super happy, uh, Talia, that you bring in this confusion because it shows again a problem let's just call it a problem or an issue for this moment with commoning commons community because indeed there is this inherent idea of non-owning of non-property but um yeah as a reaction to that um there is also a set of of urban scholars today and i'm thinking most uh, most notably about someone like dan webb so progressive scholars emancipatory scholars you might say who really say if we are to engage in a potent emancipatory urban urban politics communities need to define themselves against communities need to dare to enclose themselves as a way of saying who or what they are against and as a way of saying what it still is that they own collectively. And he would even go so far that we need to reinstantiate this idea of property. Because you might also think about it like this, the very um, idea of neoliberal urban development is and this is going to sound very contradictorial, very contradictorily, is almost based on the idea of the world or the city or urban land is everyone's. There's this this inherent or this this idea of we're all in this together. We're we're all agreeing. There is a consensus among all of us that the that the city is a, is a collective good, which is of course very useful for property developers to say, well, if the city is everyone's, then I can of course privatize this or regenerate uh, this part of the city. And so, as a reaction to that, Dan Webb would say, well. Um, Communities need to invoke property. 
property is still, and as a legal property, as you were saying, Marcus, is still very important if you want to engage in an emancipatory urban politics against neoliberal uh, urban development. And to make the link again with the commons, um, I forgot the name of the authors, but they coined this very good notion, I think, of the uncommons. And, and the idea to say the world... Um, not everything is common to the whole world, you know? So as a way of going against exploitation and extractivism by, uh, by foreign uh, corporation, of course. I don't know if this is a little bit clear. I know it's, it sounds contradictory, but um, yeah, for me, this relates very much to, this, uh, to, to the confusion. And uh, I, I think that's very helpful for me to, to see that more clearly. And I hope I'm not the only one because we're not we're having this wonderful conversation that basically not just for us, right? So, um, um, and I think it also shows though that this that community in urban studies uh, has has a has so many there's so many uh, parts of the of the field that that deals with it. And and the urban commons and community, I think, is in the um, is a very um, is an extremely interesting aspect of the field, and maybe we can do another round if if Marcus lets us someday and combine that idea of conviviality and the sort of public space and everyday interactions and stuff that goes on. That I think, Thais, you you kind of pointed to when you were talking a little bit about Simon and Tunis and did you mention Simon? I think you did. The the Gemeinschaft and Gesellschaft and this and this kind of things. So I think there's a there's a lot to, to more to be said there. Um, that that's wonderful. Yeah, it's a notion that, uh, as this episode has shown, that once you start to talk about it and once you really start to excavate it, however simple it may seem, this idea of community, but once you start to excavate it theoretically, etymologically, and also empirically in relation to to urban research so many questions, uh, more than answers, you might say, um, emerge. And I think maybe as a last uh, last sort of um, point that I would want to say, and then, then we see if you want to say something and the markets can wrap it up, is also that there has been appeals in urban studies to drop the concept, to say community is not the right concept to talk about. It's not, it's too biased, it's too much tradition, it's too located in tradition, or it's too fake, or it's too romantic, or, but I think if, if, if you're doing, you know, interviews with people, maybe in the field, in, in your own case, when you're listening to this podcast, and, and doing stuff on neighborhoods, and all these kind of things, it's very often that people start to talk about it, so it remains a concept that, that, that is alive in the urban world out there, and therefore I think we need to continue using it, and continue the conversation. Yeah, but perhaps to respond to that, I, I, I fully agree with, with that. And, and in a way, um, uh, I, I think very often you see that, that the conceptual field is in a way also a battlefield, right? In, in that sense that certain uh, terms are uh, sometimes co-opted by uh, either conservatives or, or the far right or, or by neoliberalism. Uh, if you think already of such a term as, as freedom, 
which we very much tend to associate with the free market uh, uh, and indeed with individual liberties. And, and I think I'm always very hesitant in, indeed when, uh, when there is this tendency to just give up on, on certain uh, concepts. Uh, I, I very often rather um, uh, would argue that we should uh, reclaim them and then, of course, very much think about how we want to use them and, and why we want to use them. Uh, but particularly the, the concept of community, I, I think, still has, uh, has much value. Uh, that we should not uh, too too easily uh, cast away, so to say. Yeah, I totally agree as well. Um, indeed, you might say, as you said, Talia, it's too romantic, it's too biased. But um, I mean, community is an element. It's 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 used in language. It's used in life, in urban life, and you cannot so easily erase that. So I completely agree with Thais. Instead of uh, abandoning the concept, let's uh, reclaim it and give it a new, new, better meaning instead of abandoning it. I think it would be interesting to continue that conversation from taking it and, and seeing maybe also in the moment that, that, that the book is going to come out, the book that we talked about in the spring and, 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 um, what was the title of it again? The Rise of the Common City. Yeah, exactly. So, Just, so maybe yeah. then also to see how how where where that sociology debate on on community and identification and community as an as an everyday practice. And the last things I've been writing about community have been very much on community as an urban practice as something that emerges out of the effectively pretty much common sense kind of things that people do is closer to the to the conviviality discussion of Amanda Weiss and, and other people than it is to the philosophical discussion on community and commons. So it sort of brings maybe a possibility also to bridge those debates um, uh, in the future. So it's less of less of a sort of um, um, uh, maybe thought through theoretically idea in the end um, and, and my own sort of necessity to, to write about it was, was to find a way out of that continuous contradiction between people saying community is things that people do in, in, in nice social movements and it's always there and the other saying community is something that is traditional and sort of identitarian and, and sort of try to take it out in, into a new conceptual field of, of how the urban is lived on a very mundane level of doing everyday practices and how in doing things, very much located in, in the tra tradition of people like uh, Richard Jenkins, who is not used in urban studies very much, was written, written this little book on identity where, where it's very much about how you do community and how, how, how the sharing of doing things. And I think what I was trying to do in that urban uh, community's urban practice was primarily to see how to, how, to, how to make a bit of a toolbox and there's a set of other concepts, public familiarity, and you know I can go on and on for, about this, but there's a set of other concepts that I try to put together with the notion of community as urban practice to then make sense of how to write about the urban cohesion 
the urban fabric in two ways. And I think what, what, what Denis and them have been talking about and, and as well as Durkheim, and I think this can also be seen in the Occupy movement in some ways is, is, um, is an understanding of the urban fabric as knitted, as people that are networked together and linked together through, through being knitted together. And that is one form of community. What the conviviality discussion tries to do a little bit more, I think, uh, also empirically in the work of Emma Jackson and, and Les Back is, is to, to talk about how the urban is also a woven fabric of things that happen to bump into each other, but are not necessarily connected. And that's through sort of Kaufman idea of, of public encounters, things that happen in public space, there is a sense of um, imaginary of, of mutual obligation, trust, care, that isn't organized, that is not popping up and disappearing again in concrete actions of people with similar political ideas, similar views, similar sort of dreams about how the world should look like. And that isn't commons in that sense. And it often take, takes place in highly privatized places and, and um, uh, places where neoliberal cities have been built, like shopping malls and and fast food restaurants and places like that, but where there still is that sense of um, um, that something emerges that is more than than a fluid encounter where people then... As, so it's basically, maybe it's trying to say, and I'm working on this, so it's a, it's a long-term project and you can cut this out if it gets too boring, but it's, it's that Simon got it all wrong. When he said the Großstadt and the Geistesleben, when he had the thesis that all that happens in the city is the anonymity of people passing and the blasé attitude that they developed, that that is both very male and empirically problematic. And that on the other hand, the idea that the commons or commonality or doing things together, being together in the community garden, or that that is the only hope that we have for creating more um, communal cities, that I'm trying to find a way um, uh, in between there somehow. That's super interesting. In the introduction to our book, we, we I mean, I, I, I sense of it that it's a bit of a similar idea. We speak of urban intimacy. Yeah, that does, that does sound similar. I think I need to read that book. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to uh, continue that conversation then. Um, at a different moment, but I really like to thank uh, Louis and Thais for laying out your ideas around community, your arguments, and uh, for Talia for your, uh, well, constructive provocations that really um, produced a, a great discussion. And uh, so thank you all very much for participating in this. Thanks to you for listening. For more information, visit our website urbanpolitical.podigy.io Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter.